You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? The following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Herd and Ten podcast. Here's your host, Jake Fortinsky. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Herd and Ten podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fortinsky, and you can find me on Twitter at NFL. You can also check out any of our social media accounts at Herd and 10. We are posting Buffalo Bills content pretty much daily. So if this weekly podcast isn't enough, go check those out. And also, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review. It will really help to increase our exposure for this show. Thank you for listening this has been a whole season, our first season, my first season as the host of a podcast. And it's been amazing. I feel like this was the best year to start it. The Bills had an incredible season. We're going to have some negatives to talk about. And I'm going to end the episode or end this segment on a positive note before we then go to an interview in the second half of this episode. Let's start with some negatives here. Yes, it was a great season, but the Bills lost in the AFC Championship, and it was ugly. They got beat down by a much better team in the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bills just weren't good enough. I gotta be honest, coming into this game, I knew it was going to be close, but I really thought the Bills were going to win this game. I think my prediction was 38-37 to for the Bills. Their offense was nowhere to be found. Don't get me wrong. I love Josh Allen. I think he's a great quarterback. I'll say it later on in the episode, but I think he's the best Bills quarterback in history. He broke practically every record there is for a Bills quarterback, and he had an amazing season. He won 13 games in the regular season. It's kind of hard to argue with that. It's kind of hard to be upset about that. But he really didn't come up so big in the playoffs. He looked good against Indianapolis, but by a couple miracles and a missed field goal by Indianapolis, the Bills squeaked out a win there. Then they go and they play Baltimore, of course, still in Buffalo, and their defense comes up huge. Makes some big plays. Taron Johnson returns 101 or 102-yard interception, pick six, and the Bills win. But it really wasn't the offense. It really wasn't Josh Allen. And then again, against Kansas City, Josh Allen struggled. He had some good moments. He made some good plays, especially later in the game in more junk time. He he looked a bit better. But truthfully, he was not great. In this playoffs as a whole, Josh Allen was nowhere near the level that he was during the regular season. We can't pretend 
look, we got a long off season. I'm sure I'm going to be talking more about him and really breaking it down. But I just wanted to use these few minutes to just talk about that. I love Josh Allen. I think that a lot of us do. And I think he's going to be the Bills quarterback for a long time. But we do have to accept that he didn't have a great playoffs. The Bills won. They found ways to win. And Josh Allen is a part of that. He did find ways to win. But to say that he came out and dominated and looked amazing and looked like an MVP would be a little ridiculous to say, don't you think? He really wasn't that good in the playoffs. Let's break down the three games in the playoffs. You have the Indianapolis game, which he had a statistically impressive game. And like I said, he he had a good game. But we didn't win because he was unbelievable. We won because the Bills overall really kept it together. And Indianapolis missed an easy field goal. Josh Allen threw 324 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Had a 121.6 passer rating. It's a hell of a game. But Baltimore... He only passed for 206 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, 86.1 passer rating. Then against Kansas City, 287 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, 80.8 passer rating. I look at that and I see a little bit of a trend. Every game that went on, he got a little bit worse. That doesn't mean he's not good. It doesn't mean he's not going to bounce back next year. But... We have seen that although Josh Allen appears to have ice in his veins and handles the big games really nicely during the season, he hasn't done the greatest job in the playoffs. The next player I want to talk about is Devin Singletary. He has had a terrible season. He did not have an impressive postseason. Honestly, I don't need to go through his stats. I'm not even going to pull them up. He was not good. And truthfully, I don't think he should be on the team next season. I think in the offseason, the Bills need to find some other players to fill that gap. I don't care who it is. Maybe it's Antonio Williams. Maybe it's Zach Moss. Maybe it's someone in the draft. Maybe it's bringing in another veteran running back. Maybe it's Devontae Freeman. I don't know. But I know that Devin Singletary is not the answer. He is not a starting running back in the NFL, at least at this moment in time. He has done nothing to prove that. He had a solid rookie season, granted in limited opportunities, and he had a poor sophomore season. He did not handle it well. He was supposed to be a semi-leader in the backfield. He did not do that. He struggled mightily throughout the season. He had some really bad drops throughout the season in in the past game. I really don't see a lot from him. I see an undersized running back who doesn't perform well after contact, who is not particularly good in the receiving game out of the backfield, who's not very good at blocking. I don't see a lot. I really don't see much. I think at this point in time, it's safe to say that He was not a great draft pick. I'm not going to call him a bust. He's a third round draft pick. He did some good things, but overall, he has not really proven that he deserves to be on the team and deserves to get consistent snaps moving forward. Next player, John Brown. This is the final one I'm going to talk about negatively. I really didn't love John Brown this season. 
Granted, he had a lot of injuries. He, his season was really just riddled with injuries. And that's probably why it was a bad season. I don't think John Brown's a bad player. I think if he can stay healthy, he'll bounce back. But he certainly did not have a good season. He did not look good against Kansas City. Had some bad drops throughout the entire postseason. He had some really bad drops. He had some good moments. He had some bad moments. Certainly not what we saw last season. Last season, what we got out of John Brown was consistency. This season was the complete opposite. We did not have any consistency. And yes, we can say that his injuries impacted that. But even once he was healthy, he just didn't seem comfortable in the system. Maybe the emergence of Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley has taken away from John Brown, maybe impacted him. Maybe he's going through some stuff and he's lost some confidence. I get that. But he might not be our third receiving option next year. I think he'll be on the team. But I think rookie receiver Gabe Davis, who had an amazing season, could be our third receiver. There's an argument he could be our second receiver. Cole Beasley's a great receiver, but he is a slot receiver. He does have limits in his game. He doesn't have that physical size. He can't go up and grab 50-yard passes and jump over a cornerback or a safety. It's just not something he can do. So having a guy like Gabe Davis with that big body and yet he still has speed could be that answer downfield. I think Gabe Davis is being a real surprise. I talk about it later in this show. I think he's been a wonderful surprise for a player that was drafted really late. And there weren't a lot of expectations for him. And he came up big, particularly in the postseason. He was really good. Now, let's get to some other positives. We got Gabe Davis. How about our offensive line? You got to be pleased with the pass protection. I am super pleased with Daryl Williams. What a steal. Did not cost the team much. They almost took a chance on him, and he panned out. Played the whole season, played right tackle, was really good at it, and he's shown that he deserves a pretty big contract. And honestly, I think he's going to get it with the Bills. I would argue Daryl Williams might be the reason the Bills have to say goodbye to Matt Milano. Brandon Bean was asked about it. Sean McDermott was asked about it. They're aware that there's going to be some tough decisions this offseason. The cap might be tighter than last season. And the Bills have a lot of guys coming up. And Matt Milano and Daryl Williams are two of those guys. And if you're asking me right now who I would prefer, it's an easy decision. Daryl Williams. He had an amazing season. Was not riddled with injuries like Matt Milano. Came up huge when we needed him. Uh, Everyone should remember, he picked up the fumble that Josh Allen made against Indianapolis, which probably saved the game. Daryl Williams deserves to play on the Bills for a lot longer. I love Matt Milano. But if he wants what he's potentially asking for, which could be in that $12, $13 million range, he's not worth it. Go draft another guy. Go pick up another veteran linebacker. I don't think Milano's that good. He's a really good player. I love Matt Milano, but he's not that good. He's not worth $13 million. He's not worth sacrificing a really good right tackle 
especially on a team that's going to be an offensive juggernaut for years to come. The Bills are going to be shifting. They're going to be more of an offensive team. And that doesn't mean you give up on the defense, but it means if you have a little extra to spend, you spend it on the offense. You take the offense to the next level. You certainly don't waste it on the defense. And not on a player who was in and out of injuries all season. And honestly, don't know if he's going to be healthy next year. Don't know what he'll be. And look, he didn't do anything against Kansas City. He didn't do what he needed to do. His job was to take care of Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey torched us. I blame Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds for that. You got to bring in some new faces. So, I don't want to go too much longer because we got an exciting guest on. I just want to quickly say who the guest is. And also, just mention, look, it sucks we lost. I would have loved to make the Super Bowl and play Tom frickin' Brady. But we can't get everything. The Bills are in year four of their rebuild. And they're legit. And I think they're going to be a playoff contender for a long time. And they're going to be back. They all said it. They're going to be back. They're going to get to that AFC championship. Question is, can they beat Kansas City? Who's probably going to be there for quite a few years to come with their superstar quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. Before we take a short break, I just want to tell you who the guest is. We have Kevin Carroll on. Kevin Carroll works for Spectrum News. He's a sports anchor. Great guy. Well, really positive. You know, we were talking about some negatives and he quickly wanted to jump to the positives because he really wants to put a good spin on the end of the season. Because in the end, the Bills made it far, farther than they have in 27 years. And we really got to love that and appreciate that. So we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with Kevin. Thanks. It's the gift-giving season, and now there's a great card game that gives you action on any televised football game you watch. Just add your family, friends, and fun, and you have The Drive. Playthedrive.com. If you miss The Drive, you miss the party. Playthedrive.com. Hey, Bills Mafia. This has been a crazy year with a lot of changes. Good changes like the Patriots not sitting at the top of the AFC East. But this year has certainly brought some challenges and has made it harder for us all to connect with our fellow sports fans. If you are a big sports fan like me, then you need to join this new sports fan community called Playing the Field. Playing the Field has developed a dating and community app centered around our sports fan lifestyle. It is a great sports-focused interface from their profile trading cards in your favorite team's colors down to their bubblegum in-app currency. The best part is that right now, while they're still in beta, it is 100% free to join. And you also get extra in-app bubblegum that you can trade in when their premium features get added in a few months. Go to playthefielddating.com and sign up now to buddy up, recruit teammates, or find your MVP. Also, be sure to check out their podcast, The Fan Experience, where they interview sports fans just like you and me and let them share their fan experiences. The Fan Experience is live Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. 
or you can catch the replays on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can't have a team without a mate. Go and find one now at playthefielddating.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Herd and 10 podcast. As we mentioned earlier in the episode, we have Kevin Carroll here. He's a sports anchor for Spectrum News in Buffalo. Kevin, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can find your content? Yeah, uh, Spectrum News, You unfortunately, you have to be a Spectrum cable subscriber to get us. We're on channel one or channel nine on the cable system. That kind of forces you to go to our channel when you turn your cable box on. So we have that going for us. But uh, yeah, uh, Monday through Friday, starting at 6.15, once an hour throughout the evening, I'm the anchor. Um, We have our buddy, John Scott, who is kind of embedded with the Bills, who has been with the team all season during all the COVID stuff uh, this year without other people really being able to get in to the mix. Uh, John and I also do a Facebook live every Thursday at 630 uh, on the Spectrum News Buffalo Facebook page. If you want to click in on that, we're going to continue to do that even now that the season is over. Awesome. So there's many ways to watch you and to get content from you. So I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that. I want to start by talking about the AFC championship game. Of course, the Bills fell to the Kansas City Chiefs. It was not the prettiest loss. It was certainly not an excellent game by any means by the Bills. And it seems like they were just simply beat by a better squad. Do you have any key takeaways from the game, negative and positive, and how we can move forward as fans, as analysts, as as a media personnel? All right, here is what I'm going to say going into the the game itself. I was a little bit concerned with, there was a lot of talk that you go back to the Bills Chiefs meeting during the regular season, how the Bills played it, and just told the Chiefs, you can run all over us. We're not going to let you beat us downfield. And it seemed like there was an effort to try and say we're a different team now than we were when you met us earlier in the season. We don't think we're going to have to rely on that at this point. And unfortunately the chiefs are the defending super bowl champs and they appear to be one of those teams, you know, like you would see in the NBA or the NHL uh, in other sports that just want to get to the postseason. I think the Patriots used to kind of be like this and we're just going to put it in another gear when the postseason comes. And they're just overall a better team uh, than the Bills at this point. And as head coach Sean McDermott pointed out on his final interview, you look at how long they've been building that Chiefs team. And it's a lot longer than what he's been putting together in Buffalo with the Bills. I think, you know, some of the positives was, I think the, the loss is still fresh in my head. So it's really hard To get to the positives, Cole Beasley playing on a broken leg was pretty positive. Stephon Diggs sitting there watching the Chiefs celebrate with his hands on his head. You can tell he wants it more. You can tell Josh Allen wants it more. 
after hearing from the guys. You could tell the guys on the defense wanted more once the season was all said and done. And I think the overall positive is, is, is what the Bills actually did this year. A lot of people were hoping they'd win a playoff game and they got to the AFC championship. Yeah, it seems like they've almost taken two steps because many of us thought they would make the playoffs and we hoped they would get one win. Of course, they got two wins. They got to go up against the best. And it should be noted, they had a particularly tough road to get to the AFC championship. They beat a seventh seed Indianapolis Colts team that was 11 and five. And it should be noted, they're also the first second seed to ever have to play in the first round. Not to mention, they then go up against the Baltimore Ravens, who I don't think anyone wanted the Bills to have to take on. And they beat them. And, and they did it in, a, in an interesting way because it wasn't just the offense. And I think that that's something that we can learn from this playoffs, that this team has some other things that can work. It's not just Josh Allen. Now, of course... They, when they came up against the Chiefs, we needed a little more from Josh Allen, and it just wasn't there when we needed it. But there was some protection issues. And like you said, there was a lot of different issues coming into this game that we were aware of, but I think they weren't as glaring as, as what they appeared to be against the Chiefs with the defense. And yeah, they played a very different type of style than what they had played previously against the Chiefs, but it still didn't work. Right, they, they let Travis Kelsey do whatever he wanted. They let Tyreek Hill do whatever he wanted. And I was speaking to someone after that game, and they were saying that it's not, it's not that Mahomes wasn't good, but he really didn't have to do anything that impressive. Our defense did not force him into any sort of difficult situations. Yes, Mahomes oftentimes makes football look easy, but it looked particularly easy against the Bills. Do you have any takes about what we need to do on defense to change? Because there's no question Josh Allen is, is something for real. He is, he is the real deal, and he's likely going to keep getting better. But on the defensive side of the ball, there is something lacking there. What is it at this point that's lacking, and can we fix it in one year? And, and I just want to also add, you mentioned that McDermott in his final press conference, he did talk about that. The Chiefs are in year eight. We're just in year four. We have time to grow. Yeah, I mean, I look at that defense and, you know, Star Latulale not being in the Bills lineup because he took the season off because of COVID, that played a role. I think the Bills, they had to get more pressure and had to come up with a better scheme to get to Mahomes and make him uncomfortable. Going into this game, you know, the whole talk was, Concussion aside, Mahomes dealing with a turf toe, put some pressure on him and get him to move around a lot more. And maybe that would throw him off his game. And that didn't just happen. I know, you know, no one likes hearing about, you know, the Patriots and what they did. But you go back two years ago to the Patriots Chiefs in that AFC championship game. And the Patriots had like a near perfect game plan in that. They had Stephon Gilmore going up one-on-one -on -one against a second-level receiver, double-teamed Tyreek Hill, and kept two people around Travis Kelsey the entire game on defense there. And you look at Tredavious White, he's that shutdown cornerback. You could have done that with him. 
the Bills have shown all season long they have a decent defensive backfield, but I just thought the pressure wasn't there forcing Mahomes into making decisions sooner than you'd like him to. And I guess the question becomes, is it the play calling or is it the execution? Because we look at two sides here, right? We know that Sean McDermott has had a lot of success as a defensive coordinator. He's now had quite a bit of success as a head coach. We've seen Leslie Frazier as the Bills defensive coordinator have a lot of success, but also show that complete flip side where we see poor play calling. The question is, is it them? Is it maybe the lack of talent? You know, we had high hopes for middle linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. He has not been what we had hoped. I think his lack of consistency has probably been his biggest problem. And I understand that a lot of that is falling on the fact that he had a shoulder injury for a good chunk of the season, but he was healthy in this playoffs and he had some ups and he had some downs. Is there something we need to do with our linebacking core? We know Matt Milano's up for a contract. Don't know if he's going to get re-signed. Obviously, Tremaine Edmonds is still on his rookie deal. Do we need to be looking at the draft or do we need to bring in another player in the linebacking core? Because it seems like, you know, we talk, you're talking about the coverage on Travis Kelsey and what New England did. It feels like we didn't have someone who could take on that job. Matt Milano's maybe a little too small, not tough enough. Tremaine Edmonds maybe doesn't have the instincts for it. Are we missing something there on the linebacking core? I think there is something to that. I think, you know, you're going to want Matt Milano to stay and Tremaine Edmonds is still, he's still a really young kid. We got to keep that in mind too. It's amazing how much that's been put on him at such a young age, but it does seem you need a more physical and maybe a faster linebacker there to deal with that. Cause not only against Travis Kelsey, but the bills had games where they had problems with the tight end a lot, including against the Colts. You know, you go uh, even back against the Ravens, not this past playoff game, but the year before that was their issue in that game too. So perhaps someone stronger and faster at linebacker, but I still think that defensive line is something that really needs to be looked at to start putting more pressure on. I like Ed Oliver. He's another one you got to look at. Maybe he's just not living up to what he was built as coming in. I don't want to have this be all negative about the Bills. We'll get to some positive stuff. For sure, for sure. And look, I love that you bring up the defensive line because, yes, there have been a lot of struggles. Ed Oliver has clearly not become what we thought he would become. But it's the same as Tremaine Edmonds, like you said. They're both young guys. They have a long way to go. And hopefully they're going to become what we hoped they would become. And that's why McDermott and Bean drafted them. But there are some positives. Because defensive line, yes, there were some struggles. But man, oh man, Jerry Hughes looked really good this year. I think he looked fresh. I think he looked fast. I think he took a nice step forward this year. I think he was a surprise. I think a lot of people thought he was washed up and that he was nearing the end of his career. And to be honest, I'm completely re-reviewing that because I think he's got a lot left in the tank. And especially given the way we treat our linemen, how we interchange them constantly, Jerry Hughes 
could have even a few more years left in the tank of quality play. He was highly ranked by PFF, by Pro Football Focus. And when you just watch, the eyeball test tells you he had a really impressive season. When we needed pressure, he did it. When we needed a strip or a sack, he came up with them. So we got to be impressed with Jerry Hughes, right? Oh, I'm in total agreement with you. This is the first year uh, since I've been covering the team with Jerry Hughes on it that I actually noticed him a lot. Uh, and you could tell his play was taking to a higher level, including in the playoffs, including that game against the Ravens when the entire defense stepped up. But you noticed Jerry Hughes that entire game. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's amazing. He's really making his mark late in his career. He was certainly a late bloomer, and just he seems to get more and more comfortable in Leslie Frazier's defensive scheme. Hopefully Frazier doesn't leave because I feel like we're finally coming into form here. But I also want to talk about the fact that look how we're having to discuss linebackers and, and, and not that they're not significant, but we have gone so many years where we didn't have a quarterback. We didn't even know who was going to be leading the offense. So we talk about not only negatives, but we need some positives. And that's the fact that we have our quarterback. Josh Allen is going to be our long-term quarterback. Who knows if he's going to get the deal now, in a year from now, two years from now, but you better believe he's going to get a big fat check because he deserves it. He had an incredible season. He had arguably the best season a Bills quarterback has ever had. Statistically, he certainly did. Now, he didn't go to the Super Bowl, but he's had an impressive season. And that's something to be happy with. And we've seen a lot of success with our receivers. Bringing in Stefan Diggs was clearly a miraculous move. And bringing in Beasley and John Brown the year before were also great moves. And that's all great. There's lots of amazing things in this offense. We do have to touch on one negative, and that's the backfield. I think a lot of us expected the Bills to still be a heavy run team. We thought the success was going to be in the run game, not the pass game. So, I mean, I'm happy I think that it's better to be a pass-heavy team, a pass-happy team, but it would be nice to see that complement. And in my opinion, Devin Singletary is not the answer. Maybe Zach Moss is. Now, he was riddled with injuries over the course of the season. Are you confident that at least Zach Moss could maybe be that 1A, 1B with another guy? Maybe it won't be Devin Singletary? I think they need another running back in that's a different style of running back. I know... Zach Moss is a little bit different, but I think him and Singletary are too much the same. Um, I think one of the big issues is that they might have set up that offensive line to be there to pass block because they were going to be passing a lot. But I think something needs to be done on, on the offensive line. Maybe they never even really focused on the run game. And that just caught up to them at the end of the season because you look at teams that are typically built to run the football and it doesn't matter who the running back is in their backfield. They're able to Pittsburgh able to insert any running back in. They'll move the ball. Denver used to do it. Dallas does it. New England does it. New England has anyone back there that can run the ball. Rex Burkhead, uh, uh, white there, Sony, Michelle, you insert them in. They're all moving the ball. Yeah, it, it seems like the running back position has been devalued. And that's because you can kind of input anyone you want as long as you have the right system and the right offensive line. 
And you make a good point. Maybe the Bills did not build it for that. And look, they were good in pass protection. Maybe not against the Chiefs, but it is another positive. The offensive line was really good this year. They were much better than the year prior, and they certainly gave Josh the time he needed in the pocket. Now, of course, he's a mobile quarterback, and there's plenty of times he had to roll out. And honestly, it's not the worst thing. He's got a huge arm. Why not get him outside of the pocket? He can also run. But it's nice to know that we do have that covered. Maybe we just need a few tweaks. I don't think there needs to be anything huge. There's no significant changes that need to be made, but there's some things that we, that we need to do. And we've covered it, right? With the linebackers, there certainly needs to be some additions. With the defensive line, likely some cuts coming, in my opinion, especially with some of these veterans like Vernon Butler, Quentin Jefferson, even Mario Addison. I think those guys could be on the chopping block. And then, of course, on the offensive line, we have a really good setup. But again, there might be a couple tweaks probably in the interior more than on the exterior. I think we're pretty good with tackles, assuming we can afford to keep Darrell Williams. But there's certainly some issues there at guard. Of course, we're going to have to figure out what to do with Cody Ford. Do you have an opinion on Cody Ford at this point? I don't really. um, I mean, I got to be honest with you. I've never been a guy to pay attention to the offensive line until this year. I found it interesting how the Bills were so good in the passing game and so poor at the run game. And just, it was just totally not balanced there. And to me, that was all on the offensive line. Um, I don't think, you know, Cody Ford one way or the other, we'll see, but Josh Allen, he should get his contract this off season and they should be ready to move forward there. That offense, one of the most exciting offenses in the passing game that I've seen in a long time. And the fact that it's the Buffalo Bills that have been doing it when year after year after year, it was, well, we're a run first game. You have Rex Ryan in here. You know, we're going to build a bully and run the ball. I think when Chan Gailey was here with Ryan Fitzpatrick, that one year after the work stoppage, that offense was exciting to watch uh, with David Nelson and uh, why am I forgetting Johnson's first Stevie Johnson and those guys and Fred Jackson out of the backfield. But overall it was nice to see the switch, but I think maybe the bills offense made that switch way too far to the passing game. But if you have Stefan Diggs, you have Cole Beasley, you have John Brown and Oh, by the way, who thought Gabriel Davis was going to be someone going into the AFC championship game where as a Bills fan, you're sitting there worried that a rookie wide receiver with all those weapons might not be 100% to go. So Gabe Davis there as well. It's so true. I was going to bring up Gabe Davis has been a real surprise. I don't think anyone thought he'd be this good. We knew out of training camp, he looked impressive. The media was talking about it endlessly. But as a late round pick with, like you said, John Brown, who's a really talented receiver who had over a thousand yards last year. You have Cole Beasley, who basically put up a thousand yards this year as a slot receiver. He was by far the best slot receiver in the entire NFL. And you have Stefan Diggs, who was the best receiver in the NFL. You don't think you're going to be talking about a late round draft pick in Gabriel Davis. 
But man, that guy has incredible hands. Some of those catches, especially in the playoffs, he made some ridiculous catches, kept his feet in. He showed poise from a receiver that you would think has been in the league for 10 plus years. You got to love that, that you bring in a rookie who's not a highly touted rookie, but he comes into a system with a good quarterback, with really good veteran receivers, and he clearly learned something from them. There is no question that Stefan Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley really helped Davis in his confidence. I think that's a huge thing because you come out, you're not confident, you're nervous. He did have a couple drops early in the season, but he quickly turned that around. He became, like you said, a key piece of this offense. We were worried when he was maybe not going to play. It's pretty unbelievable that we saw that. And it also, what about Antonio Williams? He only played one game this season, and it was the final game of the season against the Dolphins, but he looked really good. I'm excited for him. I think he could be a guy that does something special. I think he's going to add something to this backfield. He's got a lot of power, and he's got speed. What did you think of Antonio Williams as an undrafted free agent coming in and kind of dominating when he played? It was very impressive, and you add to the fact that Yeah, the Bills blew the Dolphins out in that final game, but the Dolphins were still playing to possibly get into the playoffs. And for him to do what he did uh, in a backfield where a running game has struggled the entire season to move the ball, and at times he made it look effortless. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, You know, I just don't think you take a chance then in the postseason uh, with a guy like him to say, okay, well, he was impressive in the final game of the season, so we should insert him into the lineup now that we're in the postseason. I don't know if I would have done that, and I'm glad the Bills didn't do that, but now moving forward going into next year, he could be that guy. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's certainly going to be an opportunity for him because the backfield is kind of wide open right now. Now, I want to jump to the final point here that we're going to talk about. And we got to spend a little time here. Josh Allen, we've mentioned him. We've talked about a contract coming for him. His season was ridiculous. Like, let's just say that. No one thought he was going to do this. Every analyst said he was garbage. It was a bad draft pick. He's a bust. And now, I mean, I don't. is it even a question that he's the best quarterback in that draft class? He is better than Lamar Jackson. I don't think Lamar Jackson is a proper quarterback, even though he won the MVP last season. I think it was a fluke. I don't think we're going to see it ever again. Baker Mayfield, very solid, but he's nowhere near superstar status. Doesn't have the running ability. Doesn't have the arm strength. I don't think he has the poise either that Josh Allen has. And then, of course, you got your Sam Darnolds, your Josh Rosens. They're all pretty much busts at this point. Josh Allen has taken a leap from his second season to his third season, that is practically never been done. Granted, he came into the league extremely underdeveloped. You know, he didn't get many chances in college. He played in Wyoming, not not a particularly great program, didn't have great receivers. And now all of a sudden, you put a good team around him and you realize, hey, this kid really gets football and he loves it too. It's not just about the on-field stuff. His personality just seems perfect for this organization. He's a hard worker. 
He always says the right thing. And he just comes across genuine. Don't you think? It's great. His personality, the perfect fit for Buffalo in the Bills fan base in the city and how they view their star athletes and a kid who I remember draft night uh, sitting at the station working and there's always people on Twitter that leak out the draft picks before you see it on TV. And I remember hearing one of the diehard Bills fans at the other end of the newsroom go, oh, Josh Allen, and was just so deflated, like, oh, you know, it's, it's another J.P. Lossman on the way. We'll probably be picking another quarterback next year, yada, yada, yada. Then he comes in. He's not the starter right off the bat. There's a plan in place for him to sit behind and I can't even remember who – was it Kevin Cobb or someone like that? Uh, and then – no, I can't even remember. I'm getting all these things mixed up here, all these years of training camp and stuff. But everyone said, well, if Josh Allen is going to be the team's franchise quarterback, he's going to have to take a decent step forward in year three. And he took that step forward, and then he took about 50 more steps after that and put together a season – that, as you said, no one saw this coming. No one thought in year three, Josh Allen would be talked about at the end of the season with Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. When you look at like the, the leaders at the top of uh, the passing leaderboard towards the end of the season, and you see a Buffalo Bills quarterback there in the mix and Stefan Diggs leading all receivers. Yeah, you got your franchise quarterback here. You got a team in place that's going to be challenging for years to come. Yeah. Like I think it's, yeah, it's been a shock and uh, I should just mention, I think it was, it was a whole mixture of quarterbacks. We had Tyrod Taylor in the mix. He had AJ McCarron. Remember Derek Anderson came in at a point. It was a whole mix, but it's true. How many times have we seen bus draft picks, but you know what the difference is this time we have Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. And they took a big risk, but they clearly saw something. And you can't ignore his raw talent. We knew he didn't, he wasn't ready for the NFL, but you knew that if he could get to that point, he could be something legit. He's got the speed, he's got the arm. He was also, and I don't know if everyone always notes this, I'm almost positive there's some sort of test that the quarterbacks often take prior to the draft that determines their understanding of offenses and, and how quickly they can adapt. And in that test, Josh Allen actually scored the highest out of Mayfield, Darnold, Jackson, Rosen. Yeah. Apparently Josh Allen scored the highest. So clearly he had an understanding of the game, had a passion for the game. He just needed a good coach. And it's funny. I, I just want to mention one last thing before we go off here is that, Brian Dayball has done something amazing too, because yes, he's had his issues at play calling, but he's done a pretty damn good job with Josh Allen. He's developed in, and I'm kind of surprised at this point, he didn't get a head coaching job. I think there's still a chance it's up in the air that maybe he could go to Houston, but it certainly doesn't seem likely. I know he said that he would like to come back. It's pretty amazing to be able to keep a guy like that. Who's actually developed Josh. And now he's going to be doing a fourth year with him. It's like every year that goes forward, it just gets better and better. So I feel like the opportunities here are endless. And even though Josh Allen had what 
is almost an MVP season, he could potentially still get better. And that's the key here, right? 100%. And I want to leave you on this. I was talking about this with someone. This is for Buffalo sports fans to take this into the offseason as maybe something positive. Because I compare what happened to the Bills this season almost to what happened with that Sabres team in 06-07, where they were one of the high-scoring teams in the NHL. They won. uh, They finished first in the entire league. They got to the playoffs. They won the first couple of rounds, but you started to question, well, they're not putting up goals, and they're, they're not doing what they were doing in the regular season, but they still advanced, and then they stumbled in the conference championship, just like the Bills did. The difference back then was... That Sabres team lost their two best players in Chris Drury and Daniel Briere. And guess what, Bills? You're getting your best players back. So this isn't the end as it was back then with the Sabres. This is just the beginning. Same kind of season with a tough ending and a tough pill to swallow. But there's more to come. That is an excellent way to close this segment. There is a lot more to come. Thank you so much, Kevin. Really appreciate you coming on. Anytime. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 Podcast, a show about the Vancouver Canucks, but not just about the Canucks. Join myself and Ted Wong every single week for a seriously unserious chat about hockey, questionable food takes, we sprinkle in some dad jokes, and keep you updated on shows that ended well over 10 years ago, like Breaking Bad. Seriously, Ted, when are you going to be done watching that? We bring in guests on the regular, like former NHLers, head coaches, and even that guy that pulled off the Michigan, yep, Mike Lake. Check out our cool swag on our Instagram and Twitter feeds. And if you're lucky, we might just give away the odd prize or two. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, and on deanblundell.com slash podcast. And hopefully, your headphones. It'll be the second best thing you do today. You know, after that cup of coffee.